Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 29. We're actually going to peek back at chapter 28 for a minute, and then we'll look at 29. And, and Mike, we're going to try to run right into chapter 30. Uh, we'll, we'll see uh, how far we get tonight. But uh, you will recall uh, back in chapter 28, uh, David found himself in a little bit of a precarious place. Look, look there with me, please. Um, I'm going to pray in a minute, but look here, please. Uh, the Philistines are preparing to launch an attack uh, against Israel. And of course, Brother Art, the problem for David uh, is an unexpected problem. Uh, he's kind of thrown in with the Philistines. He's living among them, uh, really living as one of them, um, letting them believe that he's been launching attacks uh, on uh, the people in, in Judah. And he's in a tough place because they're, they're getting ready to launch a, a big attack, a big campaign uh, against Israel. See this here, uh, chapter 28, verse 1. Just look at a verse or two here. It came to pass in those days, the Philistines, or Philistines, if you prefer, Brother Gary, gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. Uh, and Achish, the king of Gath, right, said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle. He's a Philistine. <laughs> uh, David, you know, we expect you're going to go out to battle with us against the people. Thou and thy men, David had a large group of men, 600 or so. David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said, David, therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. You be my bodyguard. I'll, I'll honor you with a position. I'll reward you with a position for going into battle with us uh, against those terrible, wicked Israelites. Of course, you know, they might have had their issues, Mike, but that's how they viewed them. That, that's how they viewed them. Um, so the chapters uh, 29 and 30 kind of pick up right there from, from this point. And so I want us to see tonight um, how uh, David uh, fares here in this situation. And I think tonight, uh, I know tonight, let me say that differently. I know tonight, Gary, we can see God at work graciously protecting David from having to go into battle with the Philistines against Israel. David has put himself in a position where it's going to be very hard to not do that. Could you imagine being David uh, having to go into battle with the Philistines against Israel? Can you, just, can you picture that? Can you imagine that? He's put himself in a very bad place. But Lord, um, it's one of these situations where the Bible doesn't explicitly say God intervenes here and prevents David from having to go into battle. But I think you can see the fingerprints of God all over this chapter, Brother Art. Pretty clearly the Lord intervened to prevent that. And I'm going to have to say graciously because David has not repented of, of compromising and living among the Philistines. He, he's not got right with God. Uh, and so if the Lord chooses to bless him by protecting him from having to go into battle, not against but with the Philistines against Israel, if the Lord does that, if God protects him from that, Mike, that'll be true grace, uh, undeserved favor of God. And, and that's what we'll see tonight. Now, David still hasn't gotten right with the Lord. And so in chapter 30, we'll see how far we get, Rich. We'll see the Lord chastening David. And it's very significant correction. And finally, uh, that chastening, that correction, drives David back to the Lord. He seeks the Lord and he seeks the Lord's direction, and he's blessed Mike with the Lord's direction and the Lord's protection uh, and a victory in battle. 
Uh, and then at that point, we see David choosing to be gracious toward those around him. So this issue of grace kind of comes full circle. First, we see the Lord demonstrating grace to David, uh, correcting him, uh, and then David demonstrating grace to others. Hey, listen, tonight, we, we can be gracious toward others because God is gracious to us. Amen? That's a great truth. We really want to try to get a hold of that. I don't know if we can get through all of that tonight, but let's, let's see how far we can get. Let's, let's bow our heads and open in prayer, please. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for uh, this passage. Lord, it's extraordinary. Uh, Father, we, we can't imagine uh, being David in the place that he's in, and, and yet at the same time, we know that we struggle with staying separate from the world and, and worldly things and, and worldly people. So, uh, Lord, I do understand how David could allow himself into the place he did. I pray tonight that you protect us from that, that you, uh, you would protect us from uh, compromise, give us your strength uh, to stay uh, separate uh, from those things that you would have us to remain separate from. Lord, I pray tonight as we look into your words that um, you'll help us to see those things that, that you desire. And Lord, how we can practically apply them to our lives for our help and for your glory. I pray tonight, Lord, that um, our desire would be, yes, to receive help from you, uh, but as we are, that, that you would be glorified in our lives. Lord, I know tonight that's possible because of Christ, my Savior, uh, and I thank you so much for that. Lord, work here now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we ready to jump back in? Are we ready? Okay, chapter 29. First Samuel chapter 29 now. Uh, the, the Philistines are getting ready to, they're basically moving toward uh, their, their point of attack. Uh, Israel has kind of moved down in, in anticipation of this. By the way, if you think about this um, versus the last chapter, it does seem like chronologically this chapter kind of fits in uh, after verse two in the prior chapter. Uh, Rich, at least I, you know, a lot of good people have said that, uh, and so I, I think that that probably is the case. This, this chapter and the next chapter seem to fit in uh, just after the first part of the prior chapter and, and before the final chapter where we see Saul, Saul's demise. So that's, that's worth mentioning, but let's not spend too much time on that. Chapter 29, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies in, in Aphek. Uh, Aphek. We've seen this place before. Uh, this is where Eli's uh, sons were killed. This is where the ark was, was captured, where it was taken. Uh, now we see it again. It's a Philistine place, obviously, uh, Aphek. And the Israelites pitched by fountain, which is in uh, Jezreel. So Philistines are kind of coming west and north, and the Israelites are moving down a little bit toward them, sort of anticipation, anticipation of their uh, attack. Verse 2, the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. So, Gary, they put together a, a big army. The, the Philistines have put together, a, seems like a, a massive army with many thousands uh, of troops that they're going to use to launch this campaign against Israel. Lords of Philistines passed on by the hundreds and by the thousands, uh, but David and his men, remember, they're, they're part of this Philistine army at this point, but David and his men passed on in the the re-reward. Do you remember? Do you, does anyone remember what that word means? Uh, and we've, we've bumped into it a few times. The, the re-reward? Re re-reward? Uh, the rear or the rear guard? Uh, we'll see this idea a couple of times tonight. But 
Uh, you know, David's not leading the battle. He, of course, wouldn't want to lead the charge in, into Judah against his people. Uh, so he's bringing up the rear, uh, hoping, I'm sure, Mike, hoping that he's not going. Somehow, if he just kind of stays to the rear, the Lord will get him out of this somehow. That's, this must have been his desire. Uh, so they're there in the back, in the, the back of the uh, massive uh, group of troops moving uh, into and, and north in Israel. Dave's back there with Achish, the king of Gath. You remember him. Now, uh, pretty quickly, we see how, I believe this is the Lord working, uh, pretty quickly we see how the Lord is going to prevent David from having to go into battle. Now, uh, if, imagine, if you will, the, the Philistine generals, the, the leaders, um, they, they know something about David, right? Uh, wasn't, there, wasn't there a little issue with David and Goliath going back a few years before this? And, and wasn't Goliath a Philistine? They, they know who David is. They know he's not a Philistine. Uh, they, they know he's one of those Israelites. Now, they know he has a problem with Saul, but they also know he's not one of them. And so uh, they're suspicious. Uh, some of them are concerned, Rich, that maybe he's you know, like a double agent, maybe he's a spy, maybe he's going to go into battle and kind of leak out information, and uh, maybe he'll turn on them in the middle of the battle. They become very suspicious uh, of David, and so suspicious, they basically say, uh, hey, this guy cannot go with us. He, he's got to go back to that town that he was given. Uh, they just wouldn't allow him to go, even though our, he's got 600 troops with him. And, you know, I understand they have thousands, but if you get 600 more and you get David, who, who they believe has been very successful uh, militarily, and David's men, they believe, have, have been successful militarily, for sure they'd love to have the help, um, and there'd be something poetic for them, and, and David, one of, one of those, you know, the Lord's men, joining them in the battle against the Lord's people. There'd be some, something poetic in that for the Philistines, but no, all they're focused on is they know who he is, and they don't trust him. Uh, they don't trust him. Well, the Lord's going to use this distrust, uh, I believe, to save the Lord's doing this, causing, probably provoking this distrust so that David not have to go into battle with them. Verse 3, then said the princes of the Philistines, uh, they're, they're military leaders, what do these Hebrews here? Why are these Hebrews here? Uh, Mike, why are these Israelites here amongst us? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which has been with me these days or these years? He says, David's been here amongst us for a long time. Uh, we believe it's several years. He says, and I found no fault in him. Achish is defending him, saying, listen, uh, he's been here with me. We've given him a place for him and his people to be. Uh, I believe he's been going out launching raids for us, uh, softening up uh, southern Judah already. Uh, this is a good guy. What's, what's the problem? What's your beef? He says, I found no fault in him since he fell unto me uh, unto this day. Well, they're suspicious. They're suspicious. I can't say it, Zachary. Suspicious. There we go. Verse 4, the princes of the Philistine were wroth with him. They're angry. This guy, this guy is not one of us. He's one of them. Uh, and the princes of the Philistine said unto him, make this fellow return. Send him back that he may go again to his place which thou hast appointed him. Um, Ziklak is the place, uh, and let him not go down with us to battle, lest or else in the battle uh, he be an adversary to us. Again, they're, they're concerned he's going to turn against them uh, in the battle. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not 
uh, be with the heads of, of these men. So very suspicious. David's already joined the army and they're moving together, but all of a sudden this suspicion bubbles up uh, and, and gets back to David in, in the back there. Carolyn, I, I really believe this, this is the Lord's sovereign providential hand working here to stir up this concern. So David will be kind of taken and plucked out of the army and sent back to the place uh, where he began. Uh, verse 5, it says, the Bible says he's not, well, the prince is remembered. Uh, it was David who was celebrated by Israelites for his, uh, his victories for them. Is not this David of whom they sang one to another dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands and David his ten thousands. That might be more of a reference to Goliath, but they know who he is. Um, Achish, he's kind of in a tough place now because David's his guy, but uh, Mike, what's he going to do? Uh, all the generals are against David being there, so Achish doesn't want to have a political problem as they're launching into battle here. Uh, and so he says, David, you've you got to go back to uh, where we began, that, that town that he had been given. Uh, then Achish called David, verse 6, and said unto him, Surely as Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me uh, in the host, the army is good in my sight, for I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me under this day. Nevertheless, lords, favor thee not. Wherefore now return, go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the list times. We don't want any trouble with these guys. Uh, they're bad guys. You know, get on back home. Uh, David questions this, verse 8. He said unto Achish, but what have I done? Uh, and in what hast thou found in thy servants so long as... I've been with thee unto this day that I may not go fight against the enemies of, <laughs> he says, the enemies of who? My Lord, the King. That's not the Lord he's talking about there, right? Uh, <laughs> that I may not go against, he's, he's, he's talking about um, perhaps uh, Mr. Mr. Achish, uh, the King, the King of Philistines uh, there in, in the area. Uh, he's um, what's he doing? He's, he's repledging his allegiance uh, to the Philistine king. Not the Lord. Not, not the Lord here as well. Now, is David sincere here? Uh, Brother, I, I don't know if, if he's being completely sincere. I hope he's not. I hope David recognizes that the Lord has, the Lord has opened a door for him to not have to go into battle against Israel. I hope he recognizes that. I hope so. I recognize that, Mike. I mean, this, this just... You know, how is it that David is going to just at the last minute be saved from having to go into battle against Israel? This, this must be the Lord. Um, Achish will not be deterred by David, uh, uh, his, um, his fighting back. Achish answered and said, David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God. Notwithstanding the princes of Philistine have said, he shall not go up with us to battle. Wherefore now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee. Uh, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and, and have light, depart, get, <laughs> go on, get, get out of here, get back to that town that we gave you. Zach, I think that's an extraordinary example of God just being able to reach into a situation and change it uh, to accomplish his will. Uh, I can't imagine <laughs> for a moment that God would, rich for a moment, that God want David to fight against God's people. Even, even though David has thrown in with the Philistines the way he has, God has a future for David. Uh, God's gonna use David as, as a righteous king. God's gonna use David to pen down much of the Old Testament, right? The, uh, the Psalms and uh, God knows David's future 
as well as he knows David's very unfortunate present. Uh, and so he's going to reach in there providentially, sovereignly, and, and protect David. Mike, God can do that. He can do that. And, you know, we, we should take moments to praise him for that. He, he could change things. I, I realize, again, I, I think I've said this already tonight, the Bible does not say this is the hand of God providentially protecting David from having to fight against God's people, against, you know, his friends, his family. Uh, he, but you could just see it. You, you can just see it. Later on here, we see uh, God, the Bible's clear. David understood that God will give him a victory uh, against the Amalekites. But I think it's, again, just as clear that God is at work here. Um, I think this is one of those situations where, uh, you just have to stop and look and say, how could this happen, right? How is it that this happens? And, and you have to choose to see the hand of God at work here. And I, and I say that because our, isn't it the same way in our lives? Um, we, we know that God is at work in our lives all the time. But if we're not careful, we don't remember to see that, right? We don't, we don't realize it. We don't consider it. We don't see it because we choose not to consider it and see it. I know God's at work in my life all the time. Uh, I think there's, there's probably times where I, I choose to be more aware of that <laughs> and times that I'm, I'm kind of sloppy that way. I just have to stop and say, Lord, Lord help me to, uh, to be more aware of, of when you're at work in my life. And listen, if you're not aware of it, you're not thanking him for it, right? You're not praising him for it. You're not, you're not testifying how, how God's at work in our life. Lord, help us to choose to see you at work in our lives just the same way we choose to see you at work in this situation with David. So for me, that, that's a very practical uh, and very important application that, that I could take uh, from here. God is at work in all kinds of ways. Uh, don't you think constantly in our lives? But Mike, if we're not careful, we, choose, we, we just don't choose to see that. Well, I said in, in the introduction that if, in fact, this is God at work supernaturally, sovereignly protecting David, it's incredibly gracious, Mike, because David's not yet right with God. Uh, again, he, he's, he's still living amongst the enemy, uh, the enemies of God. He's, he's, he couldn't be any far uh, further from where he should be spiritually. Uh, he's, he's not repented of, of all the wrong here, and so... If this is God protecting him, it's incredibly gracious. Um, that said, Gary, it's, it's, it's time evidently for a little chastening. Uh, David, David is, <laughs> you'd like to say here at the end of chapter 29 that David chose to see that God protected him. And, and David responded to that by getting right with God, right? Confessing that he, he's put himself into such a compromising situation so far from where he should be, literally uh, and spiritually and practically, dragged his family into, this, uh, into the midst of all this paganism. You'd like to say David could see God at work here, and so he got right with the Lord. But, but the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, what you see next is, is God chastening David. And so I, I can only assume that, yeah, he didn't. He didn't choose to see God at work. So God said, well, okay, 
uh, I'm going to have to chasten you a bit. And I don't see God saying that here, but I see God doing that. So look here in the next, beginning of the next chapter, chapter 30, verse 1. The Bible says, It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag. This is the town that he was, was given to live in, he and his men, he and his family, his men, evidently their families. This town assigned him. On the third day, that the Amalekites... Uh, had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag uh, and burned it with fire. So you understand when, when David gets back, uh, he gets booted out of the military campaign. He gets sent back home. When he gets back home, he finds home is burned down. Uh, the, the town has been destroyed. It's been raided by the Amalekites. They burned everything down. They've taken uh, everything of value. They've taken the women, uh, included David's, how many wives does he have at this point? Dose? Yeah, he's got two. Uh, they've taken them. <laughs> now, you look at that and say, what's that all about? <laughs> Why did God allow that? Why is that here? Mike, if that's, if that's not the chastening hand of God in, in David's life, um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Some will say, well, it's just the Amalekites doing what they did, you know, raiding a town. They come up from the south, raid a town, head back. Yeah, I know they did that, but you could just see in, in both chapters now God's hand at work, positively providing for David uh, here. I don't want to say negatively, but negatively correcting David uh, God has allowed this, no doubt. I think we can just see uh, it's for David's correction. Let's see some of the details. It's, it's, uh, it's tough to see. Verse 2, uh, they'd taken the women captives, uh, the Amalekites, uh, that were therein. Uh, they slew not any, either great or small, that's good, uh, but carried them away uh, and went on their way. So they didn't kill, didn't kill them, just took them away. Uh, David gets here, he finds terrible scene. Verse 3, David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. That's how you burn. Uh, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Gone. Um, the men wept. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how difficult this would be? Uh, you know, some are feeling embarrassed already, but they get back home and they, and they find this just unthinkable scene. The town is burned, everybody's gone. They probably thought their wives and daughters were, were killed. Uh, David and the people that were with him, verse 4, lifted up their voice and wept uh, until they had no power to weep. Um, verse 5, David's two wives were taken captive. They're named here. Uh, they're both taken captive. They're, they're gone. David doesn't know uh, what's happened. But Mikey probably assumes that nothing good has happened. Now, they're not there dead, that, that's good, that gives you some hope, you find their bodies, uh, so that would be hopeful, but he knows they're not there, and obviously this would be very distressing. Brother Art, what do you do at this point? <laughs> you know, God has supernaturally protected you in the last chapter, but you didn't get right with God. So now God lets some supernatural correction into your life, and. Um, you know, if David didn't see God at work in the last chapter, what's the last chapter for us, you understand, uh, for sure he can see now that, that God wants his attention. Uh, he could get angry at God at this point and, and run further away from God. And people do that, right? They get angry at God and run further away. That'd be a choice that David could make, not a good choice, Brother Ray Metchik. 
he doesn't make that choice. He makes a better choice. Uh, he allowed that just incredibly distressing situation to drive him to the Lord. And, you know, that's, that's always God's desire when he allows a great trial uh, into our lives. We know that. We know he wants to use that to drive us closer to him. And thankfully, finally, that's what we can see here in verse 6. David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. They got the idea that uh, this must somehow be David's fault. He's the outsider. Uh, he's been sent back from the battle. Uh, and so he must have done something to provoke this. The people are threatening. They're, there's rumors that they're going to stone David. Zach, you would stone someone with the intention of doing what? killing them. Yeah, so it's not getting better for David. He's very distressed. He's concerned that he's hearing, he's hearing that people might try to kill him because the soul of all the people is grieved, every man for his son and for his daughters. But, <laughs> and you know, this is, this is one of those, those great pivot points in scripture. For me, it is. Uh, David, can we read it, the rest of the verse together, please? Can we read it with me? David what? Encouraged himself in the who? The Lord, his God. Praise God. Praise God. That's what you need to do, David. You need to get yourself back to the Lord. Uh, yes, uh, find encouragement in the Lord. This is a terribly distressing situation. Uh, you're still in the wrong place. You're so far from God. Uh, your wife has been carried off. Your home has been burned. Your wives. Uh, people are, are, it's rumored that they want to kill you. Yes, get close to the Lord, David. Can you find encouragement from the Lord even in the most distressing situation? Can you? Can you? Well, you, you can. <laughs> Brother Art, again, though, we have to choose to, don't we? Just like you have to choose to see God at work uh, in you know, some wonderful blessing or, or God at work in some great trial, um, you, you've got to choose to turn to him and find the encouragement. Uh, sometimes, you know, you, I think sometimes we allow ourselves to get into such a bad place that we, we don't even really know how to do that. You can just start talking to God, right? You can just, you can just start reading a Bible and, and talking to him. Mike, some of the Psalms, you just open up the Psalms and begin to read and, and, and begin to pray through the Psalms, some of the difficulties that, that David experienced. And just let God work in your heart and sort of prompt thoughts and, and prompt prayers in your heart in, in response to his scripture, uh, to his words, scripture, uh, and, and take great encouragement from that. Well, David, David is turning back to the Lord and, and finding encouragement. Now, he also needs direction, Gary. Uh, he, he needs to know where, what exactly to do, where exactly to go. Really, probably any, any place north, <laughs> Uh, east and north would, would probably be good, east and north. But David, want, finally, he wants to know from the Lord, where should I go? What should I do? He's been setting his own course uh, for too long now. Verse 7, David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. Uh, ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Uh, do we remember what the ephod contained that might be employed to uh, discern God's guidance? Do we remember? Anybody have a guess? You have a guess, Zach. It is. Yeah, the Urim and, and Thummim, these 
supernatural stones that we don't know. I think I mentioned this last week or the week before. We, we really don't know exactly how God revealed uh, direction, his will, uh, guidance through them. We, we really don't know. Um, Mike, maybe it was kind of a yes-no thing and, and they were thrown and depending on how they landed, God, God revealed kind of a yes or a no or his direction. Uh, God has not seen fit to record in Scripture exactly how he revealed his will and gave direction through the Umum and, and Thummim, at least not really definitively, but we know he did, and, and David knew that. He knew that there was a way uh, to get pretty definitive direction from the Lord, and, and for him, in this place, at this time, this is the way that God was still choosing to do that. Um, so uh, verse 8, David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Should I go after these, uh, who, the Amalekites? God, should I do that? Shall I overtake them? Uh, and he, what's the Lord? <laughs> he, the Lord, answered him, pursue, uh, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So you know, God gave, th somehow through the Urim and Thummim, God gave uh, three bits of information. Yes, go, go, run, chase after them, those Amalekites. You will overtake them. You, you will catch them. So go, start, <laughs> catch them. Uh, and without fail, you will recover everything that was taken away. Well, that'd be pretty encouraging, Rich. God's got rich. God says, go, you'll overtake them. You'll get back everything that was, it would be great. That's great encouragement from the Lord. David has turned back to God. He's seeking God's will, God's direction, uh, and he's getting it. He's getting the encouragement, Mike, that, that no doubt he would need at this time. Uh, so David, verse 11, and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return into the land of Philistines, and the Philistines uh, went up to Jezreel. So yeah, David had God's direction, but he had to follow it, <laughs> and we do too, right? Uh, you can open your Bible and, and, and know that, you know, some verse applies to you and your situation uh, and, and have a pretty good understanding from the Lord how he would have you to apply that verse to your life at, at this time, uh, but then not do it. <laughs> that doesn't work, right? You go to the doctor and he prescribes medicine, you don't take it, you don't get better, right? And the same is true with the Word of God. If we don't uh, take it, follow it, um, things, things tend not to go the way that, that we would like. Zach, um, can we still use the umum and thumum? I'm mispronouncing it now because I've said it too many times tonight. We, we can't, but is God still in the business of giving direction to his people? Yeah, he is. He is. He does that a variety of different ways, but primarily through his word, right? Primarily through his word. Um, he also uses wise counselors in our lives, right? There's safety in a multitude of counselors, biblical idea. Uh, Lord lays different um, ideas on our hearts, gives us peace about one direction, not another one. Uh, so yeah, his, his will is still, uh, his direction is still very much discernible today. Proverbs 3 and verse 5, uh, 5 and 6, you probably know the verses. Trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. There's a great promise there. And he shall direct thy paths. There's a promise of God's direction uh, in our lives for those that would stay close to him. And Lord, help us. <laughs> we need your help. help. Help us to do that. Uh, so Gary, again, David, David knows God's direction. He's been given it supernaturally. And it's the most encouraging information that's 
been sort of coupled with, with the map and the encouragement. So verse 9, David went. Uh, he and the 600 men that were with him, he came to the brook uh, Besor. This would be about 10 miles to the south, um, a brook or stream, um, uh, 10 miles to the south of, of Ziklag, uh, where those that were um, left behind stayed. Now that phrase it might, is a little, that last phrase in verse 9 is a little bit difficult to understand kind of definitively at this point. But as you keep reading, it becomes clear that um, some of David's men, they just didn't have enough strength left to continue on. And so they didn't have the strength to cross over the brook and, and go pursue after the Amalekites. And it was 200 of them. And so they stayed. They stayed here. Uh, they become kind of the re-reward for, for David's army pursuing after the Amalekites. Um, and um, we'll see here that um, they were criticized by some of David's men who went over the river, Mike, later on. But David's going to enter kind of back in graciously. Uh, it becomes clear that these men just couldn't go on. They didn't have the strength to go on. You ever been there just physically? You just didn't have the strength to go on? Uh, you ever been there? <laughs> you know, there's something you, you wanted to accomplish and, and hoped you could accomplish. And, you know, maybe it was a ministry thing, maybe it was a work thing. I, I don't know. But um, I, I like this passage, Mike, because I, I can see that in, in including this in the passage, the Lord's showing us, He understands that. He understands that we have physical limitations. And um, God, can, God can use us despite our physical limitations. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you glad for that tonight? We all have some kind of physical limitations. God can use us uh, despite them. Uh, it becomes clear that these men stay back as the, the rear guard, the rear reward. Uh, they're the ones that are going to stay back, kind of keep an eye on the supplies and, and all of that. Is that important? It's important. Uh, Gary, I'm not an uh, expert in military strategy or tactics, but that sounds pretty important to me. So there's a, there's a role for these men that, that didn't have the physical strength to go on. And we'll, we'll come back to this in, in a minute. I'm, I'm probably making too much of it right now. Verse 10, David pursued. Uh, he had 400 men, so 200 stay, 400 go, uh, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go, there it is, they could not go over the brook. They were just worn out. They couldn't go on. Uh, and God understands that that happens at times. Uh, verse 11, they, David encounters um, a man who's called an Egyptian. The Amalekites lived kind of down south of Judah. Um, they moved around a lot, but they were typically found south of Judah, uh, to the south of what would be Philista, um, kind of between there and Egypt. And so this man is an Egyptian who's kind of, he's, he's, we see in a moment, he's been attached to the Amalekites. He's basically a servant to the Amalekites, and this is why he's found here. He's, he's a little bit north of home, but uh, he's, he's been working for the, the, um, the Amalekites. They found a, verse 11, an Egyptian in the field, brought him to David, gave him bread, and he did eat. They made him drink water. They gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. Sounds okay. When they had eaten, his spirit came again. He, he, he received strength. He'd eaten the bread. Uh, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. I'm sure he was hungry and thirsty. David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt. 
servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days uh, ago and I fell sick. So you got sick and you got left behind. It's not very gracious, Brother Gary. Uh, or maybe they intended it to be. We don't want to go into battle with you. You're sick. We'll see you get killed. Verse 14, we made an invasion upon the south of the Carathites. This would be in, in Philistine. Uh, and upon the coast, which belongs to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned what? Ziklag. This is David's town there in Philistia, right? So he's telling David that he was part of that. That's, this couldn't have been easy. Um, but he now has uh, a man who knows what happened, and Zach, he probably has knowledge of where the Amalekites are now. Right, he's he's been attached to them, and um, David asks the man if he would be able to bring his army to the Amalekite camp, uh, and the man says yes, and he does that. Now, this is another one of those situations where you look here and you say, is uh, is this just a coincidence that this man got sick and got left behind and then David just happened upon him down there in the wilderness? Is that just a coincidence? I don't think so. Mike, I guess it technically could be, but Mike's pointing up, and I, I would agree, you know? Uh, just like you could see God at work plucking David out of the Philistine army. Just like you could see God at work in allowing the Amalekites to raid Ziklag uh, as a form of chastisement, uh, you have to see. I mean, I just, this just seems so un, un, unlikely. You have to see God at work here too, kind of bringing this man uh, into the path of David so that this man could lead David uh, straight into the Amalekite camp. Zach, think about Philip and the eunuch, right? The Lord guided those two men together. There's so many examples of that in Scripture. This is God at work. <laughs> uh, God, <laughs> does God still work in people's lives today? Does he work in our lives still today? Yeah. And, you know, Gary, no, no doubt, very supernaturally like this uh, at times. So um, David asked him, verse 15, David said to the man, Canst thou bring me down to this company, you know, that army? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou will neither kill me nor deliver me in the hands of my master. You got to protect me. Listen, man, if I help you, you got to protect me. And I will bring thee down to this company, to this, you know, he's not going to Walmart, he's going to that army. Uh, they sure enough find the Amalekite camp when he had brought him down. Behold, verse 16, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil. Uh, they had just raided Ziklag and they had all the stuff, including the people they had taken out of the land of Philistines and out of the land of Judah. So they, they had been raiding both in Philistia and, and in Judah. Uh, David attacks them. David smote them, verse 17, from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. So David um, launches an attack against the Amalekites from uh, one evening all the way through the night, all the way through the next morning into the next evening. It's a great battle. That's a long, mine's 24 hour battle. It's no joke. Uh, it's, let me read verse 17 again. David smote them from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. Uh, and there escaped not a man save 400 young men, which rode upon, what? What did they ride on? Got on their camels and got out of there uh, and fled. Now, how many men does David have with him? 400. 200 stayed back, right? Couldn't go on. Um, <laughs> the Bible says here that um, of the Amalekites that David attacked, 
Uh, only 400 of them got away. Now, I don't know how many there were, but that language makes it sound like what? There was a whole lot more than that, right? There was a lot more than 400 of them. Uh, it says not, uh, and there escaped not a man of them, save or except 400 of them. So uh, evidently there was a very large uh, Amalekite army there. Yeah, 400 got away, but that was like just a little bit of them that got away in the camels. Uh, David's been somehow able to attack this large Amalekite army and, and just a portion of what sounds like a small portion, get away. Um, importantly, David uh, rescues his wives. Verse 18, David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away. Uh, and David rescued his two wives, praise God, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had uh, taken to them. David recovered what? What's the last word? Verse 19, all. Yeah, everything that was taken, he was able uh, to recover. Verse 20, David took all the flocks and herds uh, which they drave uh, before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. So yeah, he's gonna take back uh, what, what is taken. Uh, he's gonna take uh, spoil as, as his reward for, for what has been accomplished. Uh, now verse 21, David came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made also to, to abide, to stay at the brook Besor. Uh, and they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near the people, he saluted them. He didn't go back and say, uh, hey, you weaklings, we went over there and, and, and we did what we needed to do without you. And, and now we're back. Uh, boy, thanks for all the help. He, he, didn't, he wasn't like that at all. Uh, he went back and treated them just incredibly, wonderfully, graciously. Look at verse 22. Some of David's men uh, wanted to be ingracious, Mike. They, 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 they were not happy that not everybody went. Uh, then answered verse 22, all the wicked men of, of Belial, those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we had recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Some of David's men weren't, gonna, weren't inclined to be gracious to the 200 that simply weren't physically able to get over the brook and get into battle. Um, they felt like it was unfair. They wouldn't keep more for themselves because they're the ones that were able to go into battle. But David said, nope, nope, we are going to be gracious. David said, we are going to be gracious. And he basically says, hey, listen, God has given us back everything that was taken. Um, and we're going to share it with everyone who has suffered loss. Um, and that's, that's what he determines. Verse 23, then said David, you shall not do so, my brethren. You're not going to treat these 200 who weren't, who weren't physically able to go poorly. He says, with that which the Lord hath given us. Uh, which, let me try again, verse 23. Then said David, ye shall not do so, my brethren, uh, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. He said, we're going to be gracious. You, you need to see that God has been with us. God has given us back everything that was taken. He has preserved us, preserved our lives, and delivered the enemy into our hands. Zach, David is seeing that God has been at work now. And praise God, he's, he's choosing to see that God has been at work graciously and that 
part of their response to God's grace should be to be gracious toward others. Um, David argues that the men who had stayed back, you know what, they played an important role and, and we're gonna share the spoils with them. They, they've, they've done what they could do. Verse 24, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall be his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, the supplies. Uh, they shall part alike. Basically, he's saying whether uh, your, your role was to go into battle or whether your role was to stay back and guard the supplies, everyone's going to receive a, a just reward. Uh, David formalizes this principle, verse 25, it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. Um, I'm not going to read all of the remaining verses. I'll read verse 26, we'll stop here. Uh, when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoils of the enemies of the Lord. He went back to Ziklag and, and said, Hey, those that suffered loss at the hands of the Amalekites, here you go. I'm, I'm restoring stuff to you. Uh, and then he, since he also knew from the Egyptian that the Amalekites had conducted many raids up into Judah, David sent relief up into Judah also, and all those places, all those towns are listed in verses 28, 27, 28, 29, 30, uh, 31. They, he just said, we're gonna, we're gonna just graciously give to anyone who has been affected, and, and that's what he did. Um, Zach, David, hello Zach, <laughs> Zach waved. Um, he shows the same grace to others that God showed to him back in chapter 29. That matters, doesn't it? Uh, we have a gracious God who treats us far better than we deserve. Amen? And he desires that we would treat each other far better than we deserve to demonstrate grace. Um, did God use a very significant trial to get David to return to the Lord and to start acting in a godly, gracious manner rather than pursuing his own? Yeah, he used a great trial to get David turned around back to the Lord and, 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 and acting in, in, for God's purposes rather than his own. Gary still does that. We understand that. He allows trials for his purposes. Um, Praise God that David finally allowed the Lord to use the trial and got right and got gracious. Um, anybody got a trial tonight? Is God working in it? Choose to see him working in it. Uh, choose to seek him, draw close to him. If there's something that needs to be confessed, confess it. But whatever it is, maybe it's just God working to draw us closer to him. Okay, Lord, I'll draw closer to you. Give me grace to draw closer to you. Let's stop there. Father, thank you tonight for your words. Thank you, Lord, for these passages. Lord, we've, we've covered a lot of territory tonight. It's probably too much, but I believe you had us to do that tonight, and so maybe it's not too much. Father, we um, thank you tonight for all that we can see here. I'm grateful for it. Lord, I pray tonight that we just take a moment, ask you to search our hearts, examine our lives. Lord, if there's 
if there's correction in our lives, I pray you help us to see that and Lord, to know your conviction. What is it that you are addressing through the chastening, through the correction? Father, maybe there's, maybe there's trials in our lives for, for some other purpose. You're, you're simply desiring to grow us spiritually, to grow our reliance upon you, our trust in you, to, to cause us to draw closer to you. Lord, whatever it is, I pray tonight, you just search our hearts. Show us. Uh, show us. Lord, if we've uh, not been responding to trials uh, in a spiritually healthy way, I pray you show us that tonight. And Lord, give us hearts to confess that and say, Lord, we know. We know, we know from, you, from your word that you work in trials. And Lord, um, we pray tonight that you help us to remember that and to respond with gratitude, with gratitude. Give you a moment to pray and we'll close. Lord, I thank you again tonight for working actively for your presence in our lives. I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd help us to choose to see that. Lord, to be grateful, to be thankful, to thank you, to praise you for your presence in our lives, for your power in our lives. Lord, for all that you are accomplishing for us and for your glory in our lives. Give us hearts to see that, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please.